Hey, welcome to the Forward by Faith broadcast. I'm excited that you're here. We're on the way into the sanctuary because we believe that the Lord has a word for us. Come on in and let's see what God has for us. Not looking back, I press into a higher place, no longer will I be deceived by the enemy, I'm moving forward, 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 yeah, I'm walking in my destiny to be on God, I'm moving, forward, yeah, forward, speak to the Even my enemies came upon me to eat up my flesh. They stumbled and fell. Though a host should rise against me, my heart will not fear. Though wars should come against me, in this will I be confident. One thing have I desired of the Lord. And that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. For in the time of trouble, he will hide me in his pavilion. In the secret place of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me up upon a rock. And now shall my head be lifted above my enemies round about me. The reason why you're still standing is because Jesus kept you. And while everybody was waiting for you to go under, he lifted you up. I wish you would just tell somebody, I'm still standing. I'm still standing. After everything I've been through, I am still standing. Now clap your hands and give our God a great praise. 
clap your hands for our pastor, our bishop. Will you do it? For this mighty singing aggregation. Can you do it? Can you do it? Now, please do me one last favor. Turn to somebody on either side of you and say, I celebrate you. I celebrate you. There are enough people that are hating on you. There are enough people that are praying on you instead of praying for you. Please tell somebody I celebrate you. I'm honored to be here again today, and I'm grateful for the love that has shown me at this, my second home. And um, I'm thankful for um, my brother, my bishop, my pastor. I told him before we came out that there are some people that will say, I'm praying for you, and that was the prayer. But I feel when he's praying for me. You need to have somebody that you're so tied into till they don't have to tell you they're praying for you. You feel when they're doing it. And I honor you, sir. Thank you so very much. Thank you. I, I want to look at um, that passage that was read in your hearing, Proverbs 29 and um, verse 18. And I don't want to be before you long. I just want to lift one or two things. Um, here, where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint. That's all I want to say. Please be seated in the presence of the Most High God. Father, you must help me because I sure do need you, but more than that, help your people. In Jesus' mighty name. We are quite familiar with the passage of scripture that I just read from the King James Version where it says, where there is no vision, the people perish. However, the same passage that is read from the King James Version, when looked at from other translations such as the one that I just read, gives a more distinct message as to what God really wants us to hear. For example, the Amplified Version says pretty much what I've said here in this New King James, that where there is no revelation of God and his word, the people are unrestrained. The Living Bible says it this way. Where there is ignorance of God, crime runs wild. The Message Bible says, if people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. It takes more than just reading one version and saying, I got it. Because God is constantly revealing himself to the point that we move from faith to faith, strength to strength, grace to grace, and glory to glory. God is a progressive God. 
you can't even spell God without spelling go. There is no stagnation in him. And what is clearly seen from the translations that I just read in your hearing is that there is a direct connection. There is a correlation between one having a knowledge of God and his way and one staying on course in their way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How so? Because his word is light. And where his word is, it keeps us from continuing in paths of darkness. Bible says in Psalm 119, verse 105, Psalm 119, verse 105, it says, your word is a lamp to my feet and light to my path. What light does is light dispels darkness. Light never apologizes for being light. It simply shines and darkness has to deal with it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Light, light makes it possible for greater potential productivity and possibility to take place. So where you don't have a greater revelation of God who is his word and his word is light, you will be stumbling over yourself unrestrained, taking longer to get accomplished what you should have had accomplished already. Yeah, story is told, the story is told of a, a woman who had um, gone to the grocery store and she drove the car and her husband was at home and she just wanted to pick up a few things and unbeknownst to her, a quick storm came and showed up kind of like you have here all of the time. And when it showed up, it snowed so quickly until when she came out, it was such a white fuzziness until she could not see how to make it back home. She called her husband and said, uh, honey, I'm having a hard time. I can't see. And the windshield wipers are not cleaning off the snow quick enough. I can hardly see. And he said, baby, turn on your high beams. She turned on her high beams and he said, what can you see? She said, I can only see about two feet in front of me. He said, then two feet your way all the way back home. You, you, you don't have to have a lot of light. You just need to have enough to get you where you're trying to go. Light dispels darkness and makes it possible for progress and productivity to take place. That's why the very first thing that the Almighty God did um, in creation when the earth was without form and void and darkness covered the deep and the spirit of the Lord was hovering over the face of the deep. It says in Genesis chapter number one, verses one through three, Genesis one, verses one through three, it says, 
and God said. Yeah, he, he spoke and his word that he spoke was creative force, light. He said, and God said, let there be light. And he said it and he saw what he said. He didn't say, may there be light. He didn't say, is there a possibility for light? He did not say, darkness, would you please allow light? He said, let there be. And what he said, he saw. And because we are made in his image and his likeness, and he says what he wants to see, and he sees it. We can say what we want to see and see it as well. Because greater is he who is in you than he that is in the world. I know you're saying, Brother Sturdivant, I just can't believe that. But the Bible says in that same Genesis chapter number two that God brought all of creation to Adam and said, name your environment. And the Bible says, whatever Adam called it, that was its name. God did not say, I don't think that's a good name. God did not say, no, Adam, I've got something better. He allowed him to say what he wanted to see. He said it and he saw it. And so now you and I, according to Romans chapter number eight, verse 19, Romans eight, verse 19, all creation is waiting in expectation for the man manifestation of the sons and the daughters of God to show up and it is time for you and I to decide that we're going to say what we want to see not hope to see but say what you want to see and if you speak Mark chapter 11 verse 24 to this mountain and tell it to be removed and don't doubt in your heart but believe that what you say will come to pass you will have whatsoever you say would you please tell somebody near you I'm about to say something I am I'm about to say something yeah why because the redeemed of the Lord have to say so and you will see whatsoever you say I've come to end the season you know you know um, Bishop, some years ago, there was a movie that was out, had Jodie Foster in it. I can't remember the male actor who was in it, but um, he was eating people. And the movie was called Silence of the Lambs. Silence of the Lambs. We are his sheep. We're the people of his pasture. But I'm ending the season of the Silence of the Lambs. You can no longer sit around with your mouth shut acting like you don't have something to say. Some of your situations are as jacked up as they are because you keep saying it. 
you keep rehearsing it. A hearse carries dead things. And you keep talking about stuff that you should have let die years ago. Please tell somebody near you, I've got to change what I say if I want to change what I see. Please, y'all sit down, it's too early. I'm on my way. Because the entrance of the word causes darkness to leave and introduces light and ushers in creativity. Psalm 119, verse 130, Psalm 119, verse 130 says that the entrance of the word of God brings light and gives understanding to the simple. Meaning that whenever there is a diligent study of God's word and an utterance of what his word says, simple-minded folks start seeing stuff they've never seen before. And what God wants to do is he wants to release something to each one of you in your home, in your businesses, in your marriage, in your careers, in your education, but you have not shown that you have the capacity. And because God is not wasteful, he is not pouring um, gallon-sized insight to pint-sized minds. He has been trying to stretch each and every one of us to be, uh, yeah. You cannot put new wine in old wine skins, no. See, the whole issue is not the wine or the wine skins. Don't miss it. It's time. You can't put new, that's time, wine, in old, that's time, wine skins. So God is saying, I've got to do something so that there is a lineup between the capacity and the content. I've got to make sure that what I'm trying to pour has a vessel that has stretched enough till it can handle what I'm trying to release. That's what the discomfort of these past seasons have been all about. That's what God has been trying to do, is he has been trying to stretch you to make you believe bigger, to make you expect bigger. The reason why you are a member of a place called new faith is because your old faith got you to one level but for where God's trying to take you he's got to get your faith stretched to another dimension people please sit down people mess up by simply joining churches but never knowing the name in the name is the mandate. You cannot be called a place called Calvary and not expect crucifixion. You can't be a part of a place called New Birth and not expect your old habits to have to die. And you cannot be a part of a place called new faith and think that your old faith that got you saved is going to be the same measure of faith you're going to need to procure what God has promised. 
And you're not just new faith, you're new faith international. So you're not an around-the-way neighborhood church that all you're going to do is come in, buck dance, and then go home. God established you in your origin to take territory worldwide. Just touch somebody and say, I never considered where I joined. I never, I never. <sighs> when God, yeah, when God said, let there be light, that meant that there was going to be a shift in the environment a shift in how things had always been. And I've come to talk to someone that's watching me by way of our streaming platforms, someone that's watching by way of our social media platforms, that um, our bishop said something to us earlier. He says, do you want a word? Because anybody can give you a sermon. Anybody can give you a lecture. But what you need to get you from where you are to where you're supposed to be is an indelible, undeniable, never dying word of God. Because when God gives you a word, it transcends time. Heaven and earth will pass away, but his word will never pass away. When God gives you a word, it will abort the laws of nature. Oh, yeah. Uh, Lord, if it be thou, bid me to walk on the water to come to thee. He said, come. And he walked not on the water. He walked on the invitation of the word, you see. Because when God gives a word, it does not matter what else is happening in your life. His word is what's going to prevail. So I've come to announce to someone that's listening to me, you are just one word away from your entire world shifting. I said you're just one word. You all, you all don't believe it. Uh, the Bible says that he has exalted his word above his name. Which means that you could call Jesus, 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 but you need to know that there is a word that has everything. Everything God wants to give you is in His Word, but Jesus is the passcode. If you don't know what you can have, you can call the name with no expectation. But when you know what he's got for you, then you ain't just saying a name. You are saying a name and house shopping. You are saying the name and expecting. Because expectation, I've told you before, is the birthplace of manifestation. So I've simply come today to give you a word and to get out of here. Um, the interpretation of Proverbs 29, 18, if you sit down, Bishop, they'll sit down too. The interpretation of Proverbs 29, 18 speaks to the vision of God, yeah, or the revelation of him and the word that the question 
arises in us when it says where there is no vision, the question is, then what is the vision of God? Because if there is no vision of him or his word, crime runs wild, people stumble all over themselves, and they are unrestrained. So there's got to be a vision, and it's bigger than the vision for your house. It's bigger than the vision for some new red bottoms. It's a vision that's bigger than chasing the bag, or bagging my bay, my boo, or my bun. It's a bigger vision than that, and I ain't mad at none of that, but if you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these other things will be handled, added, given to you. So all I want to talk about today is fulfilling a kingdom agenda. That's all I want to do. I want to talk about fulfilling a kingdom agenda because, see, the truth of the matter is the church has lost vision because it gets comfortable after accomplishing milestones. And it compares itself to other churches so that if it has done as good as other churches have done, it gets satisfied. But other churches were not the vision. Other churches have a part that they play in fulfilling the vision that is an overarching vision for the kingdom. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, we, we used to pray years ago in the old church. You know, we didn't have no carpet. We, we ain't have all of the fancy stuff. We had a washboard with a spoon. And we would pat our feet on the floor down in Louisa County, Virginia, where I come from. And um, you, we, we would do all of that kind of stuff simply because God had given a bigger, bigger vision, but we had a part to play. Some of the little things that have been done in bygone days made it possible for what we're doing today. And what we do today will set the stage for what somebody else will do in the next generation. So we can't rest on our oars, as they say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what God wants to do is he wants to accomplish everything that has to be done. Don't miss this. Using those who are his representatives here on earth. Um, he's going to use you and I. Um, we are mankind. We are his hands. We are his feet. We are his heart. We are his eyes. When he said in Genesis 1, 26 through 28, read it when you get a chance. Genesis 1, verses 26 through 28, he said, let us make man in our image and let them 
Y'all missed it. Let us make man in our image and let them. So when it says man, it's saying mankind, not man as the um, uh, male, but man as the species. And then them, meaning all that comes of that species. It's just like, you know, you say, oh, that's a dog. But you'll say that's a male dog or a female dog. You say that's a dog, you know. So when God is saying, I'm making mankind in my image, I have an assignment for them. And here is the assignment. Let them have dominion over the fish. Let them have dominion over the birds in the air, over the cattle of the field, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing. The vision of God is world dominance. Y'all couldn't holler about that when y'all couldn't, couldn't holler about that. The vision of God is taking land. Everything that God always said had to do with land. Uh, 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 Abraham, um, every place the soles of your feet touch land, I'm going to give it to you. Um, Moses... Tell Pharaoh, let my people go. I'm taking them to a land that I have promised them. Over and over again, all God has done was tell us, take territory. He has told us, don't let any place be untouched by your influence. You go in and take over. Y'all can't hear this. You've been sitting around too passively. You go and take over. No, he is trying to let all of us know that our assignment individually and then collectively is to take over. If you ever get a chance to get your hands on some property, don't sell it. If you ever get a chance to get some land, don't sell it. Because when you sell it, you get money, you buy clothes, they wear out, and then they make more clothes. But God has not made no extensions on planet Earth. Whatever land, territory you get, you claim it for the glory of God and hold on to it. God, I wish I had time to open the whole thing up. But you have to understand that God's design and desire is for you and I to take territory. And Bishop, it is not by coincidence that that's what the Lord is saying now. I just spent a month in Africa in September, and it was talking to us, in August rather, and it was telling us to believe beyond expectation. I just spent a month in six cities in September in Indonesia, and their concept over there was having the ability to believe beyond what you see. 
And now I've come with that same oil on my life to tell this ministry right now that you've got to take more territory. You cannot allow yourself to become complacent where you are. Do not allow the fact that we've done this to be as if this is all God can do. You need to know that God is just waiting for somebody who is radical enough to come to the end of themselves so he can give them a beginning with him. How do we put it? Now unto him who is able, Ephesians 3.20, to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you may ask or think. How are you going to do it, God? According to the power that is working in you. I need you to partner with me, God says, because how, Amos 3.3, Amos 3.3, how can two walk together except they be agreed? And if I say go into all the world and you say stay in the neighborhood we are not in agreement please tell somebody he's taking us somewhere um psalm 8 would you all please sit down i'm almost there psalm 8 verses 3 through 6 says this what is man that you are mindful of him. What makes you think about us the way that you do? What, what, what makes you keep believing in us and you've got the receipts and folk give up on us on rumors? What is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you visit him? Here it is, he answered his own question. For you have made him a little lower than the angels. You have made him to have dominion over all of the things on the field. And you have put all things under his feet because you crowned him. When that Psalm 8, when you read it, you get a chance. It tells us that there are three things that God says about man. He is number one, divine. You are just a little lower than the angels. You are distinct because a crown on your head means you ain't like everybody else. And then he says, you are dominant. All things are under your feet. You are divine, you are distinct, and you are dominant. Don't let anybody ever make you think you're less than when God made you more than. And don't be talking about, I just want to be average. I just want to be like everybody else. Baby, you got a crown. You can't be like everybody else. He put a crown on you to make you distinct. That means that you cannot, I need you to hear me when I tell you, you will never fit in. Get used to it and get over it. He made you outstanding because he wants you to stand out. 
He doesn't want you to be like everybody else. He wants you to be the envy of everybody else. He wants you to have everybody hating on you. I got so many haters, I don't know why. Because Jesus was hated and the servant is no greater than his master. You're supposed to be hated. They're supposed to lie on you. They're supposed to talk about you. You act like that's something strange. That's the criteria for being a world changer. You got to get out of here. My time is gone. Because man disobeyed God in the very beginning, thank you for your patience. Up until now, God's been trying to get you and I back in line. He's trying to get you and I back to where we need to be. He gives a vision to someone that will keep their ear close to his mouth and then will say what they hear and not back down from it. We are so very, very blessed to have a man of God here uh, that God talks to and then he comes out and he sounds crazy when he tells y'all stuff. I hear it. He tells me and it does sound crazy. But if God ever gives you a dream for your house, a dream for your family, a dream for your business, if you try to share what God told you to somebody who doesn't have that kind of expectation, they will tell you you're crazy. So what God is doing now is bringing all the crazy folk into a place so that when he starts talking crazy talk, Everybody say, I know it must be right because he told me some stuff that I could not believe. If God gives you the vision and the dream, he is not going to let you accomplish it without him. Because he did not give you a man-sized dream. He gave you a God. Oh, come on. Some of you all know I'm talking right. God told some of y'all to go look for a house and you just got laid off. God told you to go and apply for school and you flunked the last class you were in because God will give you visions that sound foolish. But it is only by the foolishness of the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ that anybody's going to get their life turned around. Please just say, it sounded crazy until I did it. Yeah, everything sounded crazy till I, I was in the old facility and this sounded crazy till he did it. See, it's hard to celebrate where we are if you don't know where we came from. Let, let, me, let me finish. I'm, I'm, I'm done. I'm done. God is a God of order. Did you hear what I said? He's a God of order. According to 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 40, he said, let everything be done decently and in order. He has an agenda. He's not just throwing stuff together. He has an agenda. And I'm telling you once again, it is not by coincidence in this your year of double-double uh, that God is talking to you right now because see whenever God has got something that he wants to do he has to double up stuff on you God I wish I had time to talk about the double meal that he gave to Elijah 
had to have a meal to cover his past and then a meal to cover where he was going. Yeah, that's what he did. He gave him a double, double. I don't have time to do it. He, Elijah dropped his mantle two times, once to call Elisha into ministry and then the second time to send him forth to ministry. Whenever God's about to do something major, he doubles up stuff, you know. So if you ever grab a hold of the fact you've made it to your double-double year in this ministry, get ready for double stuff to start happening in God. I don't have time. I don't have time to do it. But the Bible does say, it does say, it does say in Isaiah chapter number 40, verses 1 and 2, Isaiah 40, verses 1 and 2, it says, comfort, yes. Comfort my people. Speak comfortable words to them. Tell them, number one, the warfare has ended. Tell them, number two, their sins have been pardoned. And then tell them, number three, I'm giving them double for all their affliction. This is your year when God doubles up for all the hell you've been through. He had to get a whole lot of stuff out of you and out of me and out of us and out of here so that he had the ability to give what he wanted to give and that there would be no pushback, no pushback, no pushback. Touch somebody and say, God did it just like that. He did. Okay, I'm, I'm done. Here it is. So when you're talking about Thank you so much. When you're talking about taking territory, you're talking about kingdom expansion. You're talking about kingdom expansion. Kingdom is a, a, a word that's two words together, king and domain. Um, yeah, so you're talking about, um, you're saying that when you're talking about taking territory, that you're talking about places where you will set the rule. You're, 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 you're not coming in with your hand out saying, Mr. Devil, will you please? You are light. You're coming in, and when you shine, darkness can't comprehend it. That means darkness can't understand why you're still shining after all you've been through. How, how are you still standing after everything that's happened? How are you still standing after everything? Everybody's already said everything they can say, so let's give them something to talk about. I mean, they already talking. Let's go ahead. He said, make disciples of all nations. Go into every area proclaiming Jesus. I've seen our bishop, I've seen him going and picking up children and making sure that water is in certain places and making sure that folk got food. Make disciples of all nations, meaning there's no area off limits. Let the leper colony know, here we come. Healing is coming with us. We've got connections. Let every area know that we are on our way. Bishop, here's where they miss it. The Bible says in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Acts 1, 8, that Jesus said, you're going to be my witnesses. In Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and in the uttermost parts of the world. And Pentecost happened, Acts chapter 2, verse 4. Everybody, hey, speaking in tongues. Right? 
and then they stayed there. With all that power, Pentecost power, they were still sitting in the same place. He had told them in chapter 1, verse 8, go. It's your assignment. The power is going to be given on Pentecost for you to go. They got the commission in chapter 1, verse 8. They got the fire in chapter 2, verse 4, and sat there. But when persecution came, in chapter 8, verse 1, they got the call to go in chapter 1, verse 8, but they didn't leave till chapter 8, verse 1. Sometimes persecution is the catalyst. Sometimes everything that you're going through is because you've been stuck in one spot too long. We, we, we just want to say, I just want to recover from the, the fall back from COVID. No, God says, start to step in. Start taking territory. Go and do it now because this is the right time to move. Tell somebody, we've got to move now. We've got to move now. We've got to move now. It's about number one, kingdom expansion. Did I say that? It's about number two, being kingdom equipped. Being kingdom equipped. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. You, you're focusing on individuals instead of on the entity that is motivating the individual. And you fighting flesh. And flesh ain't your issue. Oh, God. Oh, God. In uh, mm, uh, 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 Luke chapter number four, um, Jesus has been fasting and praying, and he is tempted by the devil. He's tempted by the devil. He's tempted by the devil. And the devil does everything he's going to do, questions his sonship, questions his anointing, questions everything, tries to make him use an anointing for self-gratification to prove something if you be the son of God. Kept on trying to make him do something to prove something to folk. Jump down from here if you, and, and everybody always saying the devil is a lie. Listen, the devil does tell the truth. Jesus never said the devil doesn't tell the truth. He said he does not stand in the truth. So y'all got to read the Bible and stop just regurgitating what you heard somebody say. He does not stand in the truth because the devil said it is written you have been given charge over the angels. They will bear you up lest you dash your foot against a stone. That was not a lie. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? The Bible says after he had finished all of these temptations, read the text very well. It says, and he left him for a more opportune time. Meaning he was trying to regroup himself, strategize, try to figure out how can I get him and what method should I use. But by the time you get to Luke chapter number 22, verse number three, it says, and the devil entered into Judas. Because the first time the devil came himself and failed, but the next time he came through a person. That's what you've got to keep in mind is that the devil, you can call him a lot of things, but never call him a fool. 
because he has studied us. He has watched us. And because we are created, interdependent on people and relationships, when he can't get you directly, he will get you through a relationship. There was a movie out. I'm sorry, my movie buff thing kicking in. With Julia Roberts some years ago called Sleeping with the Enemy. Let me finish this text right here. Ten lepers hollered together, but only one came back to say thank you. Ten virgins laid down together, but when they woke up, five wouldn't help the one that they laid down with. Everybody you lay down with ain't gonna help you when you're trying to get up. I'm just trying to help you all to look at the Bible a little bit. You've got to be kingdom equipped because the devil is coming different. He is coming using people. He is coming using folk close. That's why Jesus said, if you ain't willing to forsake your mama and your daddy, your sons and your daughters, I've lived long enough to know that sometimes the greatest attack can come from your own family. I said, I've lived long enough. Jesus said, the prophet is not without honor, except in his own country, amongst his own People. There is a spirit of error running rampant in the land, and it is a spirit of compromise. And everybody's compromising. Pastors are compromising. Churches are compromising. Pastors are now becoming ex-pastors, going back and cussing and doing everything else that they want to do. Ain't nobody standing firm no more. But you, beloveds, you've got to study to show yourself approved unto God. A workman, a workwoman that does not need to be ashamed, but rightly dividing the word of God. You've got, you've got to be aware of kingdom expansion. You've got to be kingdom equipped, but you've got to be kingdom empowered. You've got to get a fresh dose of the Holy Ghost. That's what you've got to do. The Bible says we've got to build ourselves up. Jude um, verses 19 and 20. It's, no, it's only one book, so it's just Jude. Jude verses 19 and 20 says, Building yourself up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. I want you to know if all is fair in love and war, you are in warfare. And God will use people that you um, uh, love to take you forward but the devil will use people that you love to pull you backwards because it is a fight and he is not intimidated he is not afraid the only thing he respects is you standing firm on the word of God and deciding that for God I live and for God I die 
You've got to take authority. I love the fact that Bishop told us just a little bit earlier in the service, turn to somebody and go ahead and tell them you're blessed and you're healed and you're delivered. I'm grateful that our praise ministry told us I've had some scars, had some stuff happen, but I'm healed because you have authority in your mouth and in your hands to decree a thing and to make it happen. That's why he said, these signs shall follow them that believe, not them that preach, not them that got on a backwards collar, not them that had the rings, the robes, the regalia, the rituals, and the religion, but no relationship, but these will follow them that believe. They will lay hands on the sick. While I was just in Indonesia, just, just a week ago, it's one thing, Bishop, when people come and they have eyes, but they are blind in the eyes or the eyes are crooked. But it's another thing when they come to you and there's no eyeball in the place where the eyes are supposed to be. And all they have over there is faith in God. When they're dragging people in on mats because they can't walk and have no spine, so they can't sit up, and they say, can you lay hands on them? What is God going to do? I'm here to tell you that God is empowering you, and it is not by coincidence that I'm standing here before you right now, especially during the season of cancer awareness and breast cancer awareness. Um, God wants to bring an end to everybody who keeps on having to go through this diabolical demon called cancer. And even if there is a cure, and there is, it hasn't been released yet, but we found an answer. You lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. I, I don't have time. Thank you for yours. My spiritual daughter in New York, she had hit me on the first week of July last year. She said, Dad, they told me I've got stage four cancer. I want you to know that I've put together my funeral. She's 36 years old. I've put together my funeral. I want you to do thus and such and such, Dad, and making preparations with this, that, and the other. I said, what are you talking about? She said, well, I, that's what they told me. I said, that's what they said. What do you say? I said, you've been doing liturgical dancing to all of this powerful music and everything? She said, Dad, I was dancing. I didn't have the word. I said, then I'm going to have to force feed you fast. I 
I was sending her scriptures after scriptures and praying with her and talking to her. And have, we have a life after cancer ministry in our church. And I had them to talk with her and pray with her and all of those things because the person that's the president of our life after cancer ministry, we just celebrated 20 years of existence yesterday. Um, <laughs> And the one that is the president is the one who was told that she was going to die and not live to set her house in order, had lost all weight, got down to 98 pounds. We kept on propping her up at the altar every Sunday. I put people holding her up at the altar every Sunday. And now 20 years later, she's still the president of that ministry. My daughter said, Dad, I'm planning on dying. I said, well, you're not going to die on my watch. So I'm happy to testify to you that the same one that was declared to have um, stage four cancer, who had made her funeral arrangements and everything, January 1st of this year, she rang the bell, was declared completely clean, and there was nothing wrong with her. How do you go from stage four cancer to being completely clean in just six months? It is because there is still a God who, as the old folks say, sits high and looks low. There is still a God who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you can ask or think. Whatsoever things you desire, when you pray, believe that you'll receive it and you'll have it. We're taking territory. We're walking into hospitals and getting people on the whole ward delivered. We're believing God for complete deliverance. I want you because God has given a vision to our pastor. Everyone standing, I'm finished. I want you to join with one who has been listening. He and I talk. We, I'm going to tell you this. You all know. We, I came here one day, and um, he and I were together from one in the afternoon until one in the morning. Just talking. I ain't talked to nobody for 12 hours. <laughs> Just talking. One of the things that I love about him is that he talks to God about us and doesn't talk to us about us. God has given him a vision. And he's given him a vision that if you line up with the vision for this house, God will answer the vision of your house. I'm not, I'm not telling you something I think. I'm telling you what I know. I watched people line up with the vision that he came for our ministry. And God supernaturally, overnight, paid off our entire facility. I had no papers. I ain't signed nothing. All I got was a message saying money is coming into your account. 
and the entire building got paid off. But everybody who lined up with the vision of the ministry, their houses got paid off. Their student loans got paid off. It was an amazing thing to watch God simply prove himself. And I'm telling you, as I stand on this holy altar in the name of the one who called me, that as you line up with what God is doing for his house, reciprocity says he's got to do it for your house. That's, you reap what you sow. So what you make happen for his house, reciprocity says he'll make it happen for your house. Just turn to somebody on either side of you and say, my house is next, my house is next. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to challenge each one of you. I want you today to begin lining up with this vision. I'm going to ask you in just a moment to get a good seed just to put on this altar to sow into where we're going. My late friend and brother, um, blessed memory, uh, Dr. Miles Monroe. Dr. Miles Monroe was ministering somewhere and I happened to be in the audience and I was out there and he said, I want everybody to bring a seed concerning their business and place it on the altar and then all of you pastors, I want you to come and pray over these seeds. And so I'm, I'm sitting back there and somebody tapped me and said, aren't you a pastor? I said, yes, but I'm not a part of this. They said, well, you going up there too. I went up there and I knelt down to start praying and I'd never met him before. He turned and he said, you, you pray over everything that I'm about to do and I'll lay hands in your place. So I took the mic and I prayed while he was laying hands and everything. After the service was over, I went back into the back room and um, um, he came in there. And I told the person that was my adjutant, I said, give me my wallet. I got to put some money in his hand. I got to put some money in my hand. And I got, got a few hundred dollars and I, 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 I took him and I, I said, Dr. Miles, I immediately got down on my knees. I said, Dr. Miles, you have to pray for me. You have to pray for me. And the person that was the host pastor said, do you know him? Dr. Miles said, no. He said, well, this is James. And he went on and talked. And so Dr. Miles, you know, he says, oh, James, the brother of Jesus, James, the greater, not the lesser, James, 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 gave the whole, you know, breakdown of James, the Greek and Hebrew of James. I didn't know. He said, James, you have done something that most people don't know. He said, people think that you tap into someone's anointing by them pouring oil on them or by them getting a hug. He said, you sow where you want to go. And so as I put my seed in his hand, he said, I'm not going to pray. I'm just going to prophesy. He says, your ministry will be a kingdom agenda ministry. You'll be called to 32 nations. Your marriage will be a kingdom agenda marriage. Because of your excessive travel, there is a jet that's waiting for you. He said, receive it in Jesus' name. I said, I receive. And my schedule is picked up and everything is happening and I'm traveling everywhere. And I'm going to tell you the truth. Can I be transparent? I called a guy who had a jet. 
I said, I heard you got a new jet. He said, yeah. I said, Dr. Miles told me that there was a jet that somebody was going to give me. I'm being transparent, Bishop. Here's what he said. He said, hey, man, the jet's waiting on you. Here's the transparent part of it. I got scared. Because I said, who going to fly? I can't park it in my driveway. I ain't got enough gas. And so you know what happened? I never went and got the jet. I want you all to hear me. When God tells you something is yours, don't think yourself out of it. I thought myself out of it. I reasoned and rationalized myself out of the miracle. When all the guy said was, it's waiting on you. He never said how much money you got. He, never, he just said, it's waiting on you. Sometimes you can pray for something, and when it happens, it terrifies you so you don't take it. They prayed, Lord, deliver Peter from jail. Deliver Peter from jail. Deliver Peter from jail. God slapped Peter on his hip, got him up, made the gates open supernaturally, walked him to the house where the prayer meeting was going on. Peter knocked at the door, and they said, that can't be him. <laughs> they prayed for stuff, but then didn't have the faith to believe it. That's why you are a part of new faith. Because you need to be in a ministry that thinks broader because your dreams are bigger. Are you all hearing me? I'm finished. Father, I thank you so much for your word today. I thank you for ministering to your people. I thank you, Daddy, because your desire is to do something in the earth realm that will make your name great. You've given us a leader who is humble enough to know that nothing comes because of him. You've given us a staff here that is wise enough to know that we need to seek God before we move. And you've given us great fellowship who knows that as they are praying for the good of this work, good will come to them. Now, I know, Daddy, that there are going to be those that are going to come and they're going to place a seed on this altar and they're going to be doing it sacrificially because they don't know how they have it to do it. But I pray, my Father and my God, that because of the seed that's being sown, let every need be met. Deliver each one from debt and allow them to be kept until you fulfill everything that you have spoken in the name of Jesus Christ I pray amen and amen would you clap your hands and give God praise I want to ask you very quickly this will not take long if you are here and you're saying brother Sturdivant 
I've never given my life to Jesus Christ, but I want to be a part of this kingdom expansion that's happening here. I want you very quickly, please hear me when I tell you, God wants you. I was in the UK ministering, and while I was ministering, somebody had asked me the question. They said, Brother Sturdivant, can I, can I come to God while I've still got this habit? I said, oh, yes. Say, Brother Sturdivant, I'm still doing thus and such and such. Can I come to God with that? I said, absolutely. Brother Sturdivant, I'm doing this and I'm involved in that. Can I come to him? I said, you absolutely can. Because the Bible says, whosoever will, let him come. Once you come, then it's up to God to do the work of cleaning. So I want to give you an opportunity right now. We're going to clap our hands. I'm going to count to three. If you're here and you've never given your life to Jesus or you don't have a church home, at the clap of three, I want you to walk out. One, two, three. Please come to me now. Very quickly, if you heard the Lord speaking to you and you want to be a part of this, come on. This is a good thing for you to do. Come on. You're doing right. You're doing right. Come on. Thank you for tuning in to our broadcast of New Faith Baptist Church International. If this message has been a blessing to your life, we ask that you please partner with us by sowing a seed of faith so we can continue to extend the body of Christ. Join us as we continue to move forward by faith. Yeah.